everyone, welcome to Mentally Sound Podcast Series. This is episode 94. My name is Ricky Thurman and I'm your host for the next hour. Mentally Sound is a mental health and mental well-being show. The idea is that myself and my guests talk candidly and in substance on everything to do with mental health. So on that basis, as a disclaimer, we strongly advise that you go to see your GP, nearest therapist or crisis centre, if you find the topics or conversations distressing for you. A reminder that Mentally Sound is a podcast, formerly a radio show that pre-exists the pandemic and lockdown, so we've adapted to podcast medium for the meantime, during and post-lockdown. If you listen to us on Spice FM, Newcastle's brilliant radio station from the heart of the West End, you can tune in via 98.8 FM or online via the website spicefm.co.uk and we're on on Tuesday afternoons at 1pm and repeated on Saturday afternoons at 3pm and we're also on DAB Radio. If you'd like to get in touch, perhaps be signposted to a guest or seek advice from a therapist, you can email us at mentallysound at spicefm.co.uk or get in touch via social media where we have links to all our shows as well. On Twitter, we're at underscore mentally sound. On Instagram, we're at mentally sound radio. And on Facebook, it's mentally sound radio show, radio show being in brackets. And incidentally, on our Facebook header page, you'll find all the updated archives to all our podcasts with all the relative topics listed underneath. We're also on the relevant podcast platforms. Look up Mentally Sound on Clips, spelled C-L-Y-P, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And on the show this week, for the first half, we have Vic Watson and Simon Buick. They're from Bay Tales, and they'll be telling us about Bay Tales Live event over at the Whitley Bay Playhouse in March. It's an event celebrating all things to do with crime, mystery, and fictional genre of books, so go along and meet authors and avid readers. And in the second half, we have Ellis Goldie, a mind coach who I met on Instagram. He'll be telling us about his transition from a fitness coach to a mind coach, and he'll be lending some advice for everyone else out there as well. So stay tuned and enjoy Mentally Sound episode 94. Welcome back to Mentally Sound Podcast Series for Spice of M and our social media. This is episode 94. Some great guests lined up for the first half. It's the Bay Tales Live event over in Whitley Bay Playhouse over in March. And I have the two organisers on the show. Uh, literally only a few days ago, I saw it flash across my Facebook. And given that we were at the Newcastle Noir Festival recently, um, I'm intrigued about what these guys are doing as well such a stellar lineup and we're going to explore that even further in terms of writing and well-being we've talked about this before so i have with me simon buick and vic watson welcome to mentally sound thank you very much for having us yeah good to be here thanks for having us fantastic so you know thanks very much I, you know this was only organized uh, a few days ago so thanks for agreeing uh, so so very early on about be- being in part of mentally sound first of all simon how are you Yes, yeah, I'm good. Just getting things ready for Baytales Live, working on all design stuff and yeah. all the good stuff that has to go into it uh, in the run-up to the big event, really. Brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm a designer myself, so I know how much stress you're going through. So, um, yeah, bit of a, uh, I'll give you a high five of a designer. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and Vic, how are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm just working my way through the never-ending to-do list as well. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know what it's like organizing events, even you know, in the run up to everything. But um, yeah. I'm I'm very intrigued, as I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Simon, you first give us a background to to Beard Tales and. You had an event last year that we were discussing just before I hit the record button. So um, how did this this whole event sort of take shape? Okay, so it all started actually even before last year. Um, I moved back up to the northeast after being away for 30 years. And, mm. and Vic has been running a physical event for a number of years called Noir at the Bar, which she's much better qualified to tell you about. But I arrived just in time the pandemic starting and saw a message from Vic saying, would anybody interested be interested if we tried to do a noir at the bar, but also to read from their work online. Yeah. Yeah. So we got together and started running that as a weekly event, free for people to come. And we ran that for over 20 weeks throughout um, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and it really became a, an event for people that Many of them were on their own. Many of them had lost, you know, weren't able to see friends and family the way that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really something for them. Um, and one of our guests was Anne Cleves. Um, so, Vic, what happened with Anne Cleves? Do you want to explain? Yeah. So, um, basically, we started because Simon and I both live at the coast. Um, after Virtual Noir at the Bar ended, we decided to set up um, Bay Tales. And mm-hmm. um, we were expecting don't know what we're expecting to be honest but then sort of December 2020 we went back into lockdown so we started doing Bay Tales Live which was more of a magazine style show yeah where um we would have a book reviewer would have a reading from somebody would have a main interview and um, Simon and I would do some book reviews and during one of those we were interviewing Sam um, and Cleves and she said but you are going to do one of these in real life when restrictions are lifted aren't you mm. and when Anne Cleves says that to you you don't say no to her so we were kind yeah. of like yes yes we will Anne thank you yeah. um so Anne has been brilliant in supporting us um and is now our festival patron mm-hmm. so um it, it all came off the back of the work we did in lockdown and then basically once well once we thought restrictions were over we went and had a look at the playhouse and got working on yeah what was Bay Tales 2022 but as as I was saying to you earlier, um, restrictions only lifted a fortnight before our event last February. Mm-hmm. And we were still lucky enough that people were willing to travel from all over the UK and places like Sweden as well to come to the first one. Mm. That well was a nervous time for us, wasn't it? Because we it really terrifying. weren't at that point whether it was going to be able to go ahead or not and, and yeah. all, the restrict, uh, all the precautions and so yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was talk over Christmas not Christmas gone, the one before, of a full lockdown in the January of 22 and Simon and I were having these conversations like, don't know if this is actually going to happen. But it did and it was great and, you know, we had over 300 very happy people join us and ask us to do it again this year. I mean, that's that's fantastic. I mean, how, how, how sort of surprised, pleasantly surprised were you both that that you had such a a widespread of of, of interested people coming along, as you say, people from Sweden. Um, did you did you have these expectations, or was it just like, okay, we've lit this rocket now, and let's see how far it flies, and and see what happens from this? Well, I think we knew we'd have a certain number of people locally, yeah. but the the problem 
well, the great thing really about doing an internet show, an online show, is you can you can make it available to people that wouldn't necessarily be able to come to a physical event, whether it's yeah. for geographical reasons, whether it's for mobility reasons, whether it's age. Mm-hmm. So, so the demographic that came to our online shows, you know, we had everyone from teenagers to to ninety plus year olds that were kind of using Zoom mm-hmm. webinars for the first time, which is what we did it on so Mm. we knew we were going to get a few people that were interested in it Mm. but when we first started talking saw the swell of interest in it we thought Mm. we're gonna have to get a bigger boat (laughs) and that's why we went to the the playhouse because we were getting so many people say they were interested in it um i think that surprised us didn't it Vic? yeah and i think what was really a lovely surprise was the number of people on the day who said, I've never been to something like this before, and it's lovely that it's happening in Whitley Bay around the corner from where I live, but they didn't yeah. necessarily know what to expect because um, what we built up with Virtual Noir at the Bar was um, a core following. So I remember that very first one we did in April of 2020, I think we had about 40 people join us. Mm-hmm. And by the end, we we're going over 200 people wanting to come and see these authors. So we knew that we could probably get a hundred people, I think. Mm. But then to triple that, and to also have people who maybe haven't, well, who definitely haven't been to crime fiction festivals before, mm. it was really lovely to to encourage these people and to show them what a lovely supportive community the crime fiction community mm. is. The other thing that really helped us is because we built up a reputation online with the publishers, yeah. and we said to them, "Can you?" send us your best authors to, to come here even though it was our first event and we it's just the two of us that do this we had the biggest publishers in the country sending the biggest authors mm. so you know we wow. had people whose people like sarah vaughan whose whose book was just about to be turned into a netflix or just mm. about to start on netflix and louise candlish and Basim was going on itv yeah yeah all of these these big names coming for first festival so doing the second festival this march we knew we had to go back and say you know what we need bigger names or, or equally yeah. big names yeah. So, yeah. so that's been interesting and well that, that's interesting so which 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 came first then did the booking of the venue because i imagine getting a, a venue like the playhouse they would they would have maybe high expectations so did you have already the sort of lineup ready in there or was it a case of getting the venue first and then, you know, booking the lineup? Um, uh, I'll ask you first that, um, Vic. It was the venue first, so right. we knew that people were keen to come to Whitley and see what we had had to offer, yeah. um, and see what we were going to do instead of an online show. So how how was it going to play out? Right. Um, yeah. But it was more a case of you go and see the venue, mm-hmm. you see which date they've got available. And then you say to the publishers, right, who have you got available on this date? And, you know, who are you willing to send to us? Um, And like Simon says, not only did we have the big names of people who have been, whose work was being turned into TV shows, we were also sent the biggest debuts of last year. So Nikki May, author of Wahala. Um, I'm trying to think. So long ago, and all I'm thinking of is the authors from this year. Um, and of course, for a lot of the authors, their debuts had come out during lockdown. So right. even if it wasn't someone like Trevor Wood, that's a, mm. a local-based writer, 
had his first book come out just at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. And by the time we had the show, he had another one out, you know, and people hadn't had a chance to see him at that point speaking live yeah. in person. So that was the other thing of it. And that's that's all that's all amazing. Simon, if I ask you, so you talked about the, 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 the lineup that you've got, but what else will there be on offer? I mean, I imagine there will be Q&As, um, possibly workshops, and, yeah, and, and sort of people that you might expect to turn up. Is it just aspiring authors and, and, you know, avid readers, or is there something a little bit wider? Yeah, it's both readers and writers. We, do, we don't do workshops because, mm. the, ven- because the, the venue is very much a theatre style. Yes. It's not really practical to do yes. workshops. Yes. But what, what we do have is mm. um, a raffle, um, okay. a, a money can't buy raffle, where Gosh. all proceeds go to charity. So last year we did it for the RNLI, and, and we get authors, agents, publishers to, to donate prizes and we do a, a raffle for would-be writers in the audience and for readers yeah. so last year we got you know Anne Cleves naming a character in a next book after one of the winners we got um, Trevor Wood giving away his first manuscript um, to a reader but then we also had uh, um, agents who agreed to, to read and critique works and a couple mm-hmm. of authors that did online workshops afterwards and they all donated those um, and I think we raised uh, you're the, you're the biggest person, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> Never in my life did I think I'd be called the biggest person. I, we raised just under £800 last year for the All RNLI. Right, yeah. So um, this year we're hoping to do the same for the Bay Food Bank. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, any um, in it, any donations to food banks at this, that we're doing this time? Yeah. This year, sorry, is just to try and involve more of the local communities. So we're working with cafes and bars and restaurants Brilliant. around the, the area. Um, to give discounts to ticket holders. And we're also doing two fringe events, aren't we, Vic, for ticket holders. So people buy their ticket for the main day, but then they've got uh, a, an extra event that they get for free, mm. uh, which Vic's really been um, focusing on. So um, what the main event on the Saturday, the 4th of March, would look like is um, a full day of crime fiction authors in conversation, a mm. um, chance to get your books signed, buy books, um, speak to the authors, ask your questions and so on, as well as the raffle. Then on the f- prior to that, on the Friday night, we're, having, we're doing a live noir at the bar mm. um, at the Crab and Waltzer, which is mm. a minute from the venue. Mm. Um, it's a lovely, lovely bar slash restaurant. Um, And so basically we'll have 10 authors reading from their work, as we did in lockdown and prior to that. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll read from their work. There'll be the opportunity to win free books. Um, And it's just a lovely, informal, sometimes rowdy um, evening where people can just meet and have a chat and listen to some, some writers. And then on the Sunday morning, again, to increase our community involvement, we're working with Whitley Bay Library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Victoria Selman, who's a crime author, has invited three authors to join her to discuss true crime's impact on their fiction writing. Okay. So if you're a ticket holder for Bay Tales Live on the Saturday, you get to choose one of these events to come to on either the Friday night or the Sunday morning as well. Mm. So um, it's just to give a little bit of extra value as well as to increase our work with the community as well. That, no, that's amazing. So it's, it's as much as a community event as it is an event celebrating all manners crime mystery and, and, and books and, and reading. So Master, that, that's, yeah. that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Just so, a little bit of a follow-on from that. 
I'll ask, I'll ask you, Simon, this. I mean, given this is a mental well-being show, from your sort of perspective, how does books reading, and I guess an event like yours, can aid people's well-being, if at all? I mean, we, it's something we've explored before, but I'm interesting. I'm always interested in new angles, but what, what's your take on that? I think it's a really interesting one from both the writer and the reader's point of view. Because if you think about it, for a, crime, for a writer of any sort, writing is one of the most solitary things you do when you're, when you're writing that novel. You might get people to read drafts of it and so on, but really it's you working on your own. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to share that work and you've got to try and get an agent yeah. and, and risk rejection. And then you've got to try and get a publisher and mm. risk rejection. You don't just risk rejection. You're going to get rejected. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to have your work out there and, and be on social media and get mm. reviewed on Amazon. But, you know, so you go from being very, very much an insular, working on your own solitary thing to suddenly everybody able just to say, I hated it or, you know, hopefully I loved it or whatever. So Mm. it's a a really interesting thing. And for Mm. readers, um, what we're trying to do and what we tried to do throughout the lockdown was to take what can be quite a personal experience of reading and open that out. Mm. So we had a lot of people come to the first Bay Tales, watch the live shows, saying, oh, I'm not sure about coming on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I won't know anyone. I'm, yeah. I'm not very good talking to people. Yeah. And, and I think what we heard from so many of them and, sure. and authors will talk. And as Vic said that the event on the Friday night is really a chance for people just to meet mm. and, and have a chat and have a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, no pressure on any of that. Mm. And I think it's just, it's bringing people together with a mutual love of something. I don't know if you, you've probably heard of it before, but Anne Cleves was instrumental in setting up the Reading for Wellbeing programme, where doctors can prescribe um, books and book clubs to people. Just following on as well, I mean, the crime is a is a, and mystery is is a, is a genre I am interested in. Perhaps from a true crime perspective, we might get onto that a little bit on. But to to an average person, I think crime. They might think is it is it is it quite dark? It may be a bit morbid or macabre. What, how would you counter those claims, Simon? If someone was to say that to you, in terms of you know contracting, you know maybe being impacting somebody's or reader's well-being, how would you counter that claim? I, th- I think the great thing about crime and mystery is there. It's a, it's a huge genre, and there's yeah. so many subgenres within that. Yeah. So if if you want a grisly um, crimes, you've got those. But if you're not that sort of person, and a lot of our people coming to the show aren't, you've got your cosy crimes, yeah. and you've got your historical crimes, or your, your you know location based crimes, and all of this. So, mm-hmm. so there really is something for everyone in there. And I would say, at the end of the day, in ninety percent of the crime stories, the bad person people in it are caught and justice is done you know um and i don't know about you vic but from people that i talk to in in crime fiction series it's the characters that they're interested in and that they remember and much more so than than the grisliness or the the murders themselves i think that's what they come for the characterization Well, can I ask you? Can I ask you, Vic, on a, on a follow-on from that? What What do you think it, the, about this genre, which fascinates people? I guess from a, both a, a writer's and a reader's point of view. Then, 
I know that I enjoy reading some of them because there's always that vein of dark humour, so it can be... I personally believe, because I remember doing an essay about this in my undergrad degree, that it gave people the opportunity to transgress without actually breaking any rules. Mm -hmm. If, If you are interested in serial killers or something like that yeah you can experience it but you're not doing anything wrong so to speak you can just you know it lives in your imagination and you can just Mm. go there when you're reading the book Mm. it's not necessarily why i read it i I don't really know why i read it other than i enjoy the characters like simon says and Mm. um i love the humor the light and shade is always my favorite thing no absolutely i mean i mean for me i guess um from a true crime perspective for me it's always been a a chance to sort of be an advocate for victims voices and this sort of thing and as simon rightly says that it's almost like a pursuit of justice so it and 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 getting to that point is is quite crucial as that as well so i really get that um fascinating to see how many authors crime authors now are either ex police officers mm. yeah. or lawyers or reporters probation or officers probation yeah. officers Interesting. And, and yeah. so many of them are coming from from a situation or, or um, yeah situations where they've they've seen injustices and so on so who knows maybe for them it's a way of yeah occasionally when justice hasn't been done it's a way of yeah. Yeah. Things right yeah. you know it's sort it's sort of writing in that regard can be a response can't it and, and almost a therapeutic response um yes. so so yeah exactly but as i've just said you know i'm you know i like i like true crime i know that's sort of you know something that i had a chat with a couple of friends and, and i don't know why i had this in my mind but i just put the question out there is there a bit of a standoff between true crime and crime fiction well first of all is there i've never experienced it you haven't okay Somebody, no. somebody told me. The only time I've experienced is, is when my wife wants to watch another real-life crime documentary <laughs> on television. Right, okay. But we could probably agree that, I guess, the, the, the line in between sometimes gets blurred where one can, you know, um, influence the other sort of thing. So um, maybe Absolutely. maybe should... I mean, last year, the most popular speakers we had on the panels was actually Dr. Richard Shepard, who is Britain's most um, prominent um, um, forensic pathologist. Right. So so there were certainly aspects, and, and this year at Noir at the Bar, we've got someone that's written a, a, a true crime, um, a story of um, one of the financial, uh, major financial crime. So it's, One thing I've got to say about, about fiction, crime fiction um, writers, particularly is that the nicest bunch of people there's a rumor that goes around that romance writers are awful that they're backstabbing (laughs) each other all the time and there's a lot of rivalry and stuff whereas in crime fiction everyone's just like dead friendly they get all their angst out on the page and then yeah you meet and have a lovely time awesome well well we're we're, we're just uh, reaching the end of this podcast so in the last sort of uh two three minutes for anyone listening out there who's interested in coming along to the event in March, what what do they need to know and how can they find out more information? Um, so give out any sort of contact details online, social media, that kind of thing. Um, Simon, if you want to start, and then Vic can sort of follow on from you. 
Okay, so there's several ways you can buy your tickets. We've tried again to keep the ticket price as low as we possibly can yeah. um, for a venue of that size. So the all-day tickets are £35 plus booking fees. Sure. And within that, you also get to go to one of the fringe events if you want. Now, what we don't have control over is the booking fees that are associated with that. And those vary depending where you buy them from. Sure. So the simplest way is um, to pop in the Whitley Bay Playhouse um, mm. and you pick them a person. Um, you can order them online, but you will be paying um, online booking fees, as is always the case with events. Mm. You can go to the Bound Bookshop in Whitley Bay, or you can buy them directly from us. Okay. And Vic's in charge of all of that, so I leave that for her <laughs> to uh, explain. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, you can visit our website, www.baytales.com, to see the full lineup of writers um, and moderators. You can follow us on social media at bay underscore tales. Mm. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can email us for ticket inquiries or if you've got any questions about the weekend. And we're at baytales20 at gmail.com. And if you get if you do want a ticket or you want to bring your whole family, that's totally fine. It'll be me who emails you back with a secure payment link. Um, and I believe it's the cheapest um, option there is in the assignment to go it direct through us, yeah. And coming direct through us, um, you can also ask about the, the fringe events that we're doing on mm. the Fridays and Sunday and book your place in that because they will go quickly because the places that we're doing those at aren't limited. as big as the Playhouse. So um, come through to us directly. If you buy a ticket the, the full day, you get one of those free and we can book that for you. So that sounds really great and I wish you all the best for the event in March, Vic. So um, yeah, please come on again and let me know how it goes. And we'd love to talk more about this up and coming in a future episode. And we'll hope you'll join us in Whitley Bay on Saturday the 4th of March. Although we're looking forward to that. I've got one last question for you, Vic. Um, I don't know what it is, but because of my interest in, in particularly the true crime, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on what goes on uh, at the coast. Is there, a, is there a relationship between coastal areas and crime, or am I, am I barking up the wrong tree? <laughs> Certainly in fiction there is, because the, the juxtaposition between the beautiful coast ah, right. and the lovely landscape, right, um, opposed with grisly murders, I think there's something about that. Right, okay. So it, it, I guess it gives more room for a bit of a twist then, to sort of allure the reader in and that sort of thing, and then suddenly, bam, you get uh, hit by something. I think it also gives you a minute to pause and just um, not have to think about murder all the time i think you can just imagine the beautiful coastline with the lighthouse maybe the odd seal popping up yeah i mean you know i think simon um you know he came up with a quote earlier about a bigger boat didn't he and of course that's from peter benchy's famous jaws um again Indeed. again an, a, another sort of juxtaposition there but you know you, you think about whitby and the sort of the the is it the horror festival here down there with with, with yes. all the goths come so it's just something that's always intrigued me and um i think there's a good documentary series which does look at crime at at coastal seaside towns which i've you know watched a few episodes but i just it was just something that always intrigued me and and i think you're you're right it it probably is uh, the juxtaposition role just makes it more you get the you get the yin and the yang. You get the good and the bad. You exactly. get the yeah yeah. That's really uh, that's really great. But um, 
Thank you very much, Vic. It's been awesome talking to you and Simon. I know Simon had to leave us just there, but um, I wish you all the best. And yeah, we look forward Thank to chatting you. to you again. Thank you very much for having us, Ricky. Take care. You're very welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. the second part many thanks to Vic and Simon from Bay Tales and their exciting event that they're having in March in Whitley Bay go along meet some great authors crack an event to go along to so yeah go along give them a good shout out any excuse to go along to Whitley Bay we know we know what Coastal Communities does for um, our well-being as well and I, I highly advocate as well but in our second part I have another equally great guest someone who came across our radar on Instagram particularly. His name is Ellis Goldie and he's a mind coach and he's got some, uh, I would say, quite unique methods in terms of practice and, and advice and uh, from what I've saw on his uh, social media feed. And he got in touch and we're interested in, um, yeah, having a little collaborative session. So here we are, a few weeks and months, but we're finally here. And uh, I'm glad to say he joins me now. How are you doing, Ellis? Welcome to Manly Sound. Thank you for the welcoming, man. Um, I'm good. You yeah. know, feeling strong, ready to go. And personally, myself, honestly, just grateful to be here on the platform mm-hmm. because I have been wanting to do like podcasts for a while and just, just, just getting on there and, and making things happen. And yeah, it's it's just awesome to be here. So thank you. Now you're very welcome. You mentioned uh, all raring to go and feeling good. Is this part of the Something that you advocate for New Year? Is this, um, you know, how's your how's your 2023 looking? So, yeah, I feel I feel like part of me wanting to be on the podcast and, you know, wanting to, to get going with it is I've been saying now for probably the past couple of months, really, you know, I want to do a, a podcast and, and get on something um, purely just for the for the next level experience of it mm-hmm. and I've just literally past few weeks been speaking about it with a friend as well mm-hmm. and actually been listening to more podcasts which is funny enough because I, I didn't used to before and then here I am now being mm-hmm. here so it was just something that I thought yeah uh, it's something I want to do but it wasn't to do with particularly 2023 it yeah. was more so to do more of these types of things okay. um but yeah 2023 man you know, it's, it's a broad one but I, I did sit down um what was it last last couple of weeks and really just did a 2023 planning session should we call it and literally mm. just was you know i've got nine key areas that i'm focused on a few goals for each area and yeah i'm looking forward to the year man mm. um so there's a lot of things coming up for me and there's a lot of things that i'm gonna have to put into action but i'm ready to do it so yeah what about yourself yeah um well in terms of the year ahead um i had a very kind of difficult uh, end of year in terms of 2022 you know like um physical illness wise i had like all the <laughs> i was having a i was having a bit of a laugh with some friends of mine recently a few activist friends and we were we were all pretty ill it seemed that this winter we we had a kind of a smorgasbord of, of winter viruses and i seemed to have the majority of them if not all of them and then and because um you might agree with this yourself but Whenever my physical health gets affected, it's often my mental health that takes a nosedive with it, and juggling the both can be quite quite difficult. But no, this um, 
physically I feel I feel all right. So like like as you were saying yourself, um, I'm hoping the next twelve months will be you know, um, productive. I had a good meeting with a friend last week, so got some um exciting projects in the pipeline and um yeah yeah for i'm just i'm just glad that my physical well-being at the moment is 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 better than it was you know two three months ago so long may that continue um you mentioned uh the nine key areas you focus on and i think that'll be really interesting to to chat about that in a bit but as just going on my immediate perception ellis i mean you sound like a very and you look a very sort of young up-and-coming guy and I'm just wondering with this sort of profession this mindset mind coach thing is this something relatively new you've kind of delved into or is it something that you've kind of worked towards with you know through relative you know amount of time so I'd say for myself it's something that I've been pursuing all my life really mm. without knowing it but whilst knowing it and intentionally setting me intentions to work with like the mind and mm. the mentality the mental health stuff I'd actually say it's something that um, in terms of a career is is fairly new to me so mm. let's just say over the past six to eight months I've really delved into it and really started to specialize in these there's, there's a lot of areas that I work with but to specialize in that broad area which I say is mind coaching, which can mean a lot, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally for myself, man, a lot of my self-discovery work has is, is, been, it's been transformative for myself and I've seen that transformation in myself. I've seen how much I've progressed. Yeah. I've seen myself go from somebody who was pressured, who felt like they needed to always perform at a higher level 24-7, who yeah. felt like they wasn't good enough, to yeah. someone who now has the ability to take pressure off when you need to, mm-hmm. to now has the ability to just be authentic and not judge myself mm-hmm. and not say to myself, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't say this, I can't go and speak to people, I can't go and meet new people because of this thing that happened five years ago. Mm-hmm. I just feel like 2022 and even before that, but mainly 2022 was a transformative year for me and all the skills that I've learned to transform myself and even having a background in fitness. Um, I was a online fitness coach for five years, so right. I'm not new to the space. Right. But my background was in fitness and yeah. that was really where the gateway of the mental health came in. I noticed mm-hmm. a lot of my clients were coming to me mm-hmm. and I was getting them great fat loss results within three months. They mm-hmm. transforming, they were doing great. But then I realised the big problem and it's not even a problem no one needs to be fixed, everyone's great. It was just things that was Mm. popping out like, well, Alice, I look really good. Mm. What's the next step? And it's like, well, well, there's a lot of things that I could see in my clients in the lifestyle that were affecting their mind, the way they were thinking about themselves, the way they were perceiving that they should be. And because I was working on fitness, I was like, I'm not really doing them a full service here, but I really want to delve in to the coaching and I started doing that with them and that's when I seen the big changes shift in my clients was when I started delving into the lifestyle factors and the mental health and then I made the switch completely to go into the mindset coaching which is what I'm known for now so yeah that's this that's that's the that sounds like a really interesting transition (laughs) brief breakdown (laughs) yeah no that's really interesting it sounds like a really um interesting transition 
Yeah. I know that from your the the bio that you sent me via email, you, and and you just mentioned there, the the issue of pressure, and I, and did that pressure yeah. uh, originally come from the sort of fitness um um training that you were giving, and I just wonder, and and I I really like what you said as well, this whole thing about everyone being fixed, but um and but did you, were you thinking about, well I need to focus and and tap into areas where people. Okay, it's fine. On the one hand, you have the fitness aspect towards it, and we all know about the pressures, particularly like with meals and and you know whole thing to do with body image and everything. But did you did you really think that there was something more deeper within the mind that probably needed more, not just tapping into, but more deserved a bit more? I would how I would say like respect or um, more clarity because. It's it's something that you can easily lose focus on if you're running off on something else, something like fitness or something else. Do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, and I figure like it was like that for my clients, definitely. Mm. Like when I was speaking to them, I noticed that yeah. they were saying all these things that they wanted to achieve in terms of just the physical external look because ultimately mm. what their goal was, was to improve the confidence. And I found that was quite common as well. It was they just wanted to feel better within themselves but they was using the physical external yeah. factor of just yeah. changing the body to, to achieve that yeah. and that was one avenue to obviously increase confidence I'm not denying that mm. but then there was a gap which was working with the mental and emotional aspects mm-hmm. and I noticed even in like my five years as a as an online fat loss, fat loss coach and even a face-to-face PT a few years before that yeah there was just people were brushing over their emotions and, and how they were thinking. And I wanted, I was always in there thinking, I, I enjoyed the speaking, I enjoyed mm. questioning, you know, what was going on behind the scenes and really helping them figure out who they were. Yeah. And when you're just so focused on changing the external, the external, I view is, is anything outside of your internal world and your perception of reality. But mm-hmm. also on a body level, you don't look in a certain way. Yeah. Um, when you start stepping and just focusing on the external, you get so focused on that mm-hmm. that everything becomes this tunnel vision of I need to look perfect. I need to look a certain way yeah. to receive love, care, and attention from other people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of pressure when it comes to the physical realm. But mm-hmm. if you balance it and you incorporate it in a healthy way mm-hmm. and you improve your health physically and externally, your life's a lot better. So it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I, is- I I wholeheartedly agree because it's often, isn't it, that when it comes to New Year and people think of resolutions and often people kind of, you know, um, either renew or, or take out sort of gym memberships. And often it's sort of like, yeah, well. And you talk about fat loss, yeah, I could do with losing a few pounds and, and you know, there's obviously very great benefits to, to improving your physical health. But would you say that that improving your mental health is either a bonus when it comes to simultaneously doing that or perhaps the, the balance should tip more towards improving your mental health and maybe the physical health is, is a bonus, if that makes sense? Or do you think it's either or and, and you know, whatever it does for you? Great question, man. Um, for me personally, they, they both come together. They both mm. meet each other and unify because they're both very important in their own right. Yeah. But personally, for where I'm at currently and mm. for what I believe about other people, it's going to be, I'd say, if we're saying one wins the other, for me yeah. personally, it's going to be the mental health, the yeah. emotional work. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because if you've not looked at yourself on an internal core level mm. and you've not questioned 
you know, why am I here? What, what am I doing? You know, what is my purpose? You know, what, what is it that I want to achieve? Where do I want to be? How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. And you've not got clear on who you are behind mm-hmm. this physical version of yourself and the way you appear to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Then everything else that you do physically and mm-hmm. externally in the outside world, you know, trying to accomplish more things, yeah. um, trying to gain tons of knowledge, trying to appear a certain way. It's not based in authenticity and coming from the truest part of yourself, the most authentic part of yourself, because before you've even got to that point, in my eyes, you've not even looked at who you are authentically. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people without knowing tend to just react to the external world, you know, what people say they think they should do Mm -hmm. uh, without ever questioning themselves and where they're actually at. So Mm -hmm. I feel like working with your mental health and your emotions is the key. Mm -hmm. But also... On the flip side, the physical work, I'm not palming that off. Physical health, and the way I define physical health is being able to, you know, move well without pain, being able to, you know, hold yourself well, being able to feel confident in your own skin, but having a healthy, functioning body is is my definition of health. If you're healthy in that way, you just feel better mentally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you also feel better physically Mm -hmm. and you also appear more confident and it's not appearing you are more confident because you feel better about yourself because you look better so they're both relevant but if we just rely on physically looking better and physically being healthy to be our only personality trait then we forget about all the complexities Mm. of who we are at a human core so Mm. i believe that if you can unify the two together work with your mental health work with your emotions find out what's sticking, but then yeah. still work towards some physical health targets. Yeah. You can be this healthy, amazing person who knows who they are. So mm. they're both important. Uh, great answer, mate. Um, yeah. Uh, I was just on the back of that as well. Um, you know, something like body image, and it's something which I've been quite conscious in terms of, you know, subject matter as a you know discussion on this show. But... Where do you think we are with something like that, and particularly with, with male body image? I, I think when you look at society and when you look at, you know, TV, social media, um, reality TV in particular, I think, it doesn't seem to be anything that's on the the come down. If anything, it's going to tr- probably become even more popular. Do you think it's a, do you think it's a, a losing battle to some extent? Do you think, um, you know, we, we've sadly seen people you know, where people get driven to self-harm, suicide through negative body image, through negative comments on social media. But do you think it's still as well, it's all quite relative to how a person is and how they deal with it? And that's something that you want to hone in on to try and build self-confidence, self-respect to someone that they should create a barrier to ignore the external factors and just concentrate on themselves. Um, I feel like, Concentrating on yourself is the most important thing, but I don't think you should deny the external factor. Mm. But if, if I'm going to say anything, it's if we're even relating that to body image as well, like male body image, mm. um, it does start internally in my eyes. Mm. Because let's say if you start off viewing yourself as someone and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're picking out parts that you don't like, you know, I don't like this part of my stomach here that hangs over my belt, or I don't like this little bit of fat on my chest that's making my chest look droopy, whatever it is, if you're starting mm. off and picking at yourself like that, looking in the mirror, yeah. in my eyes, that's not really a physical thing. That's you self-attacking, yeah. in my eyes, and, yeah. and you're picking out things and you're criticising yeah. and you're being harsh, yeah. which 
is almost a form of feeling not good enough because mm. you've got this little bit of extra somewhere. Mm. Or the flip side of that could be, I feel really skinny and I don't I don't fit into a t-shirt well and you know mm-hmm. I feel quite weak and I don't feel like a masculine man because I feel frail. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the way I look. My friends have said this again for me. That comes in in terms of just the mentality of the way you view yourself just because of the way you look. But mm-hmm. if you know internally that you're strong, that you know what you stand for, you know your values, you know your purpose. Mm-hmm then you're not going to be picking out these little bits of yourself that you don't like. You're Mm. going to be going, right, well, there's this bit that I would like to change because why not? Not Mm. because you hate it, not because you don't like it, but because you've come to the realisation that maybe I'm not the healthiest I could be physically, so Mm. I can change it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just want to change the way I look because genuinely I just know it will help me feel better and there's Mm. no wrong with that. Mm. But it starts with knowing why you're picking at yourself first and why mm. you're viewing yourself a certain way in terms of your physique. And yeah. we could go off in tons of tangents, but there's loads yeah. of things with it. You know, it's yeah. social media and the pressures that are placed on people there. But it's mm. also a lot of the time, the pressure that is placed on, on yourself that you put on yourself to be a certain way to mm. fit in. And that can come from family dynamics, mm. you know, trying to be perfectionist for your mum or someone else or whatever. Sure. But that's just my own stuff. Sure. No, no, I really, I really uh, value answer there as well. If I was to ask you, Alice, what's the difference between, say, what you do in terms of mind coach and what someone else who maybe was like a life coach in a way, is there much difference between the two? Or and if you were to, you know, if you were to analyze what what a mind mind coach really is, how would you differentiate between the two? If that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, it's a great question, mate, because a lot of terms are thrown about in the coaching space a lot. Mm. And they are in like your more formal kind mm. of counselling psychologist. There's a lot of terms. So the way I define mind coach, in my eyes, this is like my what I do yeah. is I'm essentially helping people to remove self pressure mm. off themselves. Mm. Um, so they can feel at ease. So they can have a life that feels fulfilled rather than full of pressure and stress all the time. That's what my mind coaching is based around. And especially mm. with career driven and goal oriented people. Mm. Um, and that's my version of it. If you ask someone else, it will be something else. Um, mm. But when you go into a life coaching space, again, that gets so broad. Yeah. So I feel like that's a very personal thing yeah. because yeah. if you ask another life coach, what, what it means to them, that could mean I help X person do what I think. Mm. Um, in terms of what separates me from the rest of the coaching space, it's exactly what I've just said, actually. It's, I specialise in helping people with removing self-pressure. And the reason I've chosen to work on that specific area is because that's something that's there to my eye. It's something that I dealt with. Mm. It's something that I've overcome. Mm. And it's something that I struggled with for years without even realising it. Mm. Uh, from pressuring myself to grow a fitness business but being literally on my laptop 24 7 and not mm. having a social life mm-hmm. um being perfect with my physique and trying to fit in so everyone loved me yeah. being a certain way and just just a short bit um on on how i like to do things differently really is mm-hmm. i like to look at the person through the eye yeah i'm non-judgmental and i don't I, everyone deserves help Mm-hmm. everyone deserves it and I feel like if I can just show people that they don't have to put pressure on themselves mm-hmm. that they don't have to be under constant stress and that they can actually relax and accept where they are now but still yeah. have a long term goal in mind Yeah. then 
I'm sound, I'm happy. And as long as that person feels more at ease and more fulfilled, because that's what I wanted when I was in that state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, great, yeah. Great answer again, mate. Um, do you know what? We're, we're kind of to the end of this podcast almost, and I feel I can talk to you all day, but just quickly, yeah. quickly got two, three um, points I want to run over with, with you no in the remaining amount of time. In your bio that you sent, and you mentioned before this kind of form of validation that you wanted to sort of, you know, um, that you felt pressured by or wanted to, you know, get by. I noticed that you also mentioned the aspect of money. And were you sort of saying regarding things like um, on a monetary basis, but also maybe people are pressured these days by sort of materialism, that that's how people are judged by? Is that true? And is that something that you also tackle with? Yeah, cool. Um, It's a big part of it. Right. definitely and um if especially when i was building the fitness business when i first built that um mm. the pressure was because i was obviously self-employed and goal orientated mm. if i don't do the work i'm not making the money but most importantly i'm not impacting the people that i need to impact yeah. so there was that pressure there from the get-go but even mm. in employed careers where you know we may be more of a corporate setting or any setting mm. the money and investment you know it can put a lot of pressure on people to do certain things so if you're backed against the corner and you're very low on finances Mm. you're going to be more likely to put pressure on yourself to get yourself out of that position which again when i say the word pressure there's a healthy amount of pressure that we need to survive and to be around in this world and to survive physically but when it's constant extreme pressure even when it doesn't need to be there Mm -hmm. that's when i view it as something that could be looked at more with more care and attention Mm. Um, and i feel like money can drive you to put more pressure on yourself to get more more and more because you feel like you're achieving more things by seeing numbers go up in your bank account i felt like that when i was growing the pt business and i'm sure people have felt like that when they've got more overtime etc or building a business and i think especially now with the current cost of living crisis what people are going through there's the extra emphasis on that um mate in the remaining um remaining couple of minutes i wonder if you can if possible um, you mentioned the nine key areas that you're honing in on. Um, could you quickly cause it give us a rundown about them and what they are? Cool. So um, the nine key areas, really, man, mm-hmm. it's going to come down to, well, the nine areas. So for me, it'd be the first one was relationships. So in terms of the relationships that I want to cultivate, it's definitely more romance. Mm-hmm. So it's building that romantic relationship purely because something that it was something that i put off before because i was kind of scared of commitment but now i'm ready to actually commit to that yeah so yeah um open to that my career and from a career it really is just a case of continuing to grow this mindset coaching business that i've got yeah through through the avenues of doing more things like this mm-hmm. and continuing to grow my men's group which i've just created in the past couple of weeks yeah getting more people in there helping more people out for free in that group okay. um I'd say third key area would be finances. Mm-hmm. Again, I've just set some basic targets for that for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, and then I think when I read it all down myself, it was coming down to the mentality or the mental aspect of things. And what I mean by that is, is just basically how I'm thinking mm-hmm. and how I'm reacting to certain things. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I brought up out of that specifically was working on just learning to soften even more you know learning to soften and 
even still not be as pressured now because I've got a lot better at being less pressured. But there's still a few bits that I work with. I'm not a perfectionist. Um, I'd say fifth key area would be, I think, put down was emotions. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is how I deal with my emotional health, you know, Mm -hmm. the sensations that I feel in my body. Yeah. emotions that tend to be stuck um, and one thing for me that came up there was releasing the sensation um, in my left side of my stomach which has been like a pulling sensation so I've I've actually looked at that quite deeply and it's just some stored guilt from, from years ago so I want to release that this year fully from my body 100% and, yeah. and that's what I've linked it to because um, right. when we're looking at emotions in my eyes there's quite a lot of things mm. but there's, there's the sensation so the sensation that I found in my body that, that I would describe as maybe some guilt mm. is in that left side of my stomach just underneath my ribcage in a really specific area and that's just mm. me it might be different for someone else and I've linked that to okay so I'm obviously feeling this for a reason there's mm. obviously something that that is trapped in my body in terms of the nervous system patterns. Yeah, and with these types of things, when you're diving into the mind, the emotions, and just just how you feel, it, it can. There's a lot of things that you say it could be, mm-hmm. and it's pretty hard to say it's this. Mm-hmm. But what I found in myself is, is, in myself personally, it's definitely something to do with the guilt. So mm-hmm. it's just a it's a personal thing, really. Okay. Yeah. Then I was yeah I was going to get onto self discovery, which is one area that I okay. put in. Um, when I, self, when I say self-discovery, it's just me discovering more parts of myself that I might not be aware of now. Yeah. Um, and, and the main goal that I've put within that is to yeah. just do new things that challenge me because because they're changing me. So mm-hmm. I will discover more new things by doing new things. Okay. You're just doing new things and, and focusing on that. Okay. Um, I think the other thing would be, yeah, there was two other things. Skills. Okay. which is kind of a broad area. And yeah. I was just like, well, what's, do I want to learn any skills? Yeah. Um, the main thing for me this year, skills-wise, is actually to get better at map reading and using compasses, just purely because it's a skill to learn and it's something to, to play with. Okay. Um, there's a few more in that, but that's the main thing. Um, okay. Okay. And then the last two would be physical. Um, yeah. Physically, in terms of the main target for me area there, it would be... Is to get into Muay Thai this year and really get to a point where I can at least do, you know, a full sparring match with some heavy hitting within the next year. Right. Um, and then I think the last one that I sat down would be, it was desires. It was just wants. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's actually a really basic desire this year, uh, but it's literally to just go to a sunny destination with no objective other than to just lie on a beach and stare at the sun. That is yeah. literally my one desire this year. I've not yeah. been on holiday for a couple of years, so yeah. <laughs> I'm looking are forward you, to Are it. you into orienteering at all? I can say that I am, but I, I have no clue. It's so just, it's just when you it. said about <laughs> it's just when you said about map reading. It, it just triggered in my mind that one one of the most funnest things I can remember as a kid when we used to go to these activity centres, uh, we went twice down in Wales and we did orienteering in, in these like huge forests of, and it was just the most immense fun. Just, yeah, map reading, why not? Yeah, sounds really, yeah. And I think if you conquer that, then join your local orienteering club. You could become a bit of a bit of a, <laughs> a sensation in there. But um, yeah. those are, that was a really, really fruitful list and good luck with that. Uh, Alice, it's been great chatting to you, and I just wondered, as a last, a last note to end on, if there's anyone out there who wants to know more about you, where can they kind of get in touch and find out more? Cool. Um, best way to get in touch with me is on my Instagram, 
best way to get in touch, um, I'll, I'll just show it all out there. Um, on Instagram, if you just uh, go on, it's at Ellis, so E double L I S, then it's an underscore mind coach, M I N D C O A C H. That's where I'm the most active, and you'll be able yeah. to contact me if you do need help with anything that we've mentioned today. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, just mm-hmm. type in um, Ellis Goldie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I think my last name is yeah, G-O-L-D-I-E mm-hmm. um, and then just Ellis and then just basically yeah if you want to contact me more personally um, you want to get some more direct access to me email is probably um, one of the ways as well so ellis.pt at hotmail.com but yeah that, that's where you can find me and if you need help removing that cell pressure you want a life full mm-hmm. of fulfilment and ease I'm there for you fantastic and what a great note to end on Uh, We wish you all well, as I always say. Look after yourselves out there, but more importantly, take care of your mental health. Thanks very much, Alice. Good talking to you, and I hope we'll do it very soon again. Thank you for the opportunity, Mum. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Until next time.